my collaborator today and my first interview of 2019 is with Tiana Duncan, founder of The Duncan Connection in Seattle, Washington. Fitness is core to Tiana's life, and making fitness accessible on a local level is core to her work at this moment, and at the moment matters. In our conversation, Tiana talks about the importance of adaptability, seeing things as they are now and always learning from the experiences we have and the situations in which we find ourselves. A swimming and yoga practice helps her stay connected to her breath and able to respond in the moment. If it flows, it flows, she says, and keeping things flowing means trying new ways of doing things, connecting with people and communities who want to connect, and letting go of whatever might snag us along the way. Thank you so much for making time to collaborate with me on an episode of Everything is Workable. Yay! Appreciate it. Uh, you're my first person that I get to interview in 2019. It's very exciting. Okay, so I always start off by asking my guests to speak a bit about their background and what brought them into the work that they're doing. And I really like to put it out there as what was your experience moving from I am suffering to there is suffering? Mm, I am suffering. There is suffering. All right, so um, how did I get started? So my story starts with me as a three-year-old going to a pool party with my dad and uh, he was doing the parenting parenting thing where you know you take one child at a time out into the pool and you know get to laugh and splash but uh, at that point in my life I felt that I can actually do the swimming thing on my own and didn't need any help so uh, during this transition of me supposed to be walking back to my mother that was hanging out with her friends and eating I decided to go to the other end of the pool and jump in and from what I can recall, I was doing great on my own. I was swimming. I was telling myself to keep kicking and keep pulling with my arms. And then all of a sudden, um, I was picking up, um, taken up from a young lady who had watched me the whole time. And that started my love for swimming. And from swimming, I had an opportunity to do amazing Things. For example, I started volunteering at 10 years old with the Rainer Beach Pool and would just volunteer probably about two and a half hours, three hours on a Saturday instead of watching cartoons, which I was kind of bummed out about, <laughs> um, <laughs> to teach people of all ages the swimming skills. And I was a co-teacher. And then from there, that career started to bl blossom in aquatics. So I became a lifeguard and then a water fitness instructor. And then once I got heavily more into my career into swimming, um, health and wellness soon became more of integrated in my life with ease. Um, just because as a swimmer, we have to be conscious of what we put in our body, how we're feeling our body, what we need to do to prepare ourselves mentally um, for a race. So this all became collective. At the end of my senior year, my parents and I, we decided to put me into a beautiful massage school named Brian Utting, which is not, no longer there. But it was an amazing program. It was almost two years. And one of my favorite parts of the program was the cadaver classes because <laughs> when it taught me quickly, I'm a carnivore. Two, <laughs> 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 um, it just showed me how integrated our system was and how wonderful and amazing our bodies are. And that just kind of filled the fire. So the question was, where it went from I am suffering to there is suffering. So part of being a swimmer, you don't see a lot of 
kids that are your color. I'm I'm brown. And um, it never really bothered me until I got older. And I was just like, why is there still not enough kids of color coming up in aquatics? I mean, it's a great industry to get into. It allows you to, one, if you're looking to get employed at any time in your life, you can pick up a job anywhere in the world. And then two, it offers the most diversity when it comes to fields to get into in aquatics and then expand from there. So 2016, I just got back from Australia and I decided to create a meetup and the meetup didn't have nothing to do with swimming, but I knew somehow I was going to get swimming incorporated into it. But I just wanted to first get the community moving and social. One of the things that I've noticed moving back to Seattle is that there's a kind of a little disconnect when it comes to socializing Mm. and um, talking to your neighbors. And so I just simply started with a walking program, which then blossomed into my program called the Duncan Connection. So there, hopefully I answered your question. That's great. It's awesome. (laughs) You you talked about integration with ease as part of your experience in swimming. And I think that's really interesting because like I'm all about holistic approaches, Mm -hmm. but I also hear the term holistic used incorrectly a lot. So Mm. sometimes it's sort of used to refer to things that aren't scientifically proven instead, sort of like, oh, well, no, I believe in a holistic approach. And I'm like, well, but, uh, you know, holistic approach, as far as I understand it, should be fully integrated, bringing in whatever kind of tools and and supports that we have uh, that can be scientific and spiritual and emotional and community and so on. So like, how do you understand it? And then how do you apply that to the work that you do? Nice. Um, Holistic to me is just whole, like feeling whole within self. And to me, whole is connecting the mind, body and spirit, right? Whatever fashion or form that feeds you to your fullest. So, um, how I bring that into my actual work. One, I'm a big champion on yoga because it serves me in so many different ways that I cannot believe. When I think of yoga more, people like, oh, you're doing yoga today? Didn't you already like swim and lift weights? And I'm like, yeah, but yoga is my church. That's where I get my spiritual nourishment in that class. And I just happen to be doing some type of form of movement. So one is yoga. Two, it's been my relationship with food. Mm. which has been very interesting um, to see it develop over the last couple of years. I did start off with having an eating disorder in my high school years, just for the simple fact that I didn't connect that really understanding how nutrition actually works and fuels the body. And I just felt like, okay, all the best swimmers I'm seeing around me are super, super pencil skinny. And so I just felt like, okay, I have to do things that I'm not proud of, like starving or vomiting to get rid of food to fit into that mode. Mm. But as I've grown, I've realized that food should be fun at the end of the day, and it should be filling, and you should smile. So one of the things, this is how you really know I'm really happy, is when food starts to come to the table, I start to dance. Like That's my spiritual like prayer or blessing over my food, if that makes sense. It does. I do that too. <laughs> It's just this happy dance that overtakes my body and and I feel whole. Um, My mind is happy. My spirit's happy. My body's happy. Um, So for me, it's just more of a connection of those three elements, the mind, body, and spirit. And then taking whatever instrument, let's say, for example, if that's yoga, if that's swimming, if that's eating, as a way to get back to that place. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I love that you just said yoga is my church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yoga is such an interesting topic, I mm-hmm. find. Um, I like to say that there's like two different kinds of yoga. There's sort of co-opted athletic yoga. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's actual yoga. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, what's your yoga journey been? Oh, it's all across the board. Even to this day, I'm still finding out what I like and what I do not like. Um, one of the things is I approach all classes with just kind of open mind, like, okay, I'm here, I'm down for the experience and whatever that's going to be revealed to me. Um, so I play with a mixture of hot fusion yoga. There's this yoga class called Yoga Plus, which is yoga, vinyasa moves mixed with um, lightweight training. I do yin, I do yin nidra. Um, So it looks all across the board, but the major things that I take away from yoga is the principle and a practice that I hold on is just reconnecting with your breath. Mm. Everything starts with the breath at the end of the day. So it doesn't matter if I can get into that dang warrior two position, looking strong and get deep down into my front thigh. It doesn't really matter to me if I'm not breathing. (laughs) So that's forced. (laughs) So I just try to take that simple concept with me throughout my life. It's just have to breathe. You have to breathe. You have to let the breath flow and then everything else will move with it. That kind of feeds in really well, actually, with this whole moving and social walking program. Mm Mm-hmm. I I love that that's one of the key things. Like that's a key thing that you started doing was just like, let's just figure out how to help people go on walks Mm -hmm. and how significant it is to take a walk in a beautiful place. But also thinking that actually that's, that can be really difficult to plan and to access. And that accessibility is not just about physical accessibility, right? It can also be about finances. It can be about time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, Let's talk about accessibility beyond physical ability and the simplicity of a walk. All right. The simplicity of a walk. (laughs) Well, the main thing is when we first started this program, I started noticing um, who I would attract to this because the first time I started this, I'm an early bird. I'm just going to put that out there. So I first started this walk at like 8 a.m. on a Sunday. (laughs) And do you think anyone was going to show up? (laughs) No, no one showed up the first time. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's me. (laughs) And then the next time I started the walk, I pushed it back to nine o'clock. We got some more interest. And that first group of individuals that start coming out were more of the elderly crowd, which I was like, yeah, this is dope. I've hang out with elders most of my life, so I'm good with it. And then as we pushed it back by another 30 minutes, We started seeing uh, the elders and families with young children come out, which was like, yes, perfect. I love seeing this integration. So during these walks, I just like to do icebreaker games to get everyone comfortable with each other within reason. Right. And then two, I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit Two, I like to sneak um, workouts in that they don't know they're getting done, but I know they're getting done. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then three, I like to really, really enforce the um, component of connection. So I know that I can't give you everything you need within this one hour, one day a week, but I'm hoping that you find someone else that's in your neighborhood that has more of a schedule that meshes with yours so you can continue that. So what we've 
what I've noticed is they'll start making their own connections and meeting up throughout the week or scheduling play dates, you know, doing other activities or other programs that they can do together, like arts and craft. I mean, that's the funniest thing I've ever, not, not funniest thing ever I've seen, but it's just kind of like those little odd one-off quirks that people enjoy to find someone else that's in their niche. Mm-hmm. And that's all just starting from just walking. And the last part that I really enjoy about the walking is just taking in just a fresh amount of air. Like early before I got started with you today, I went outside and just took a walk down to the coffee shop Mm. and just kind of people watched and looked at the birds, trees. And then I came back and I just felt more re-energized. And it's probably only 10 minutes there and back. But for me, a walk is so much more than, okay, I'm just moving my body. But for me, it's a mood booster at the end of the day. It's something that you don't technically have to think of, oh, I need to go out into the woods or forest or walk along the water. You can simply just walk in your own little neighborhood around the block. Or if you're working downtown, just get up from your desk and just take a quick 10 minute break and be like, I'm just going to get outside. Right. That's cool because it sort of comes back to what you're talking about, about connecting with your breath as well. And that sense of how giving ourselves just like saying it's fine to just go for a walk and we could walk anywhere. It doesn't have to be a big event. Mm-hmm. And then that's a, it's a way again of finding that connection. And then it's so cool how you're bringing it out into a larger community connection. Uh, how has community played a role in your life and in the work that you do and having a sense of community? Well, it's played a huge role. I mean, if I could have put in percentages, it'd probably be 80%. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I mean, my brother and I laugh about it all the time and make fun of my parents. I was like, you guys are getting cheap babysitting hours by sending us to the pool to volunteer. And technically, <laughs> those are against labor laws, like, <laughs> like the stuff they was doing. <laughs> but you know, hey, it is what it is. But with that came a huge community of leaders that overlooked us and had to mentor us and be part of our developmental growth, which was really cool. I mean, I got to interact. I'm like, I'm 10 years old and I'm interacting with, you know, people in their 20s and they're teaching me life skills and teaching me admin skills and organization and training skills, which I think is amazing, which then made it very easy easy for my brother and I to kind of morph into different pockets in the community and then the last part is most importantly, it, it just felt like a natural thing to give back from what I was blessed with, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it definitely does. What were like aspects or or somebody that you could think of or, or some sort of like, what were the qualities of mentorship that really stuck out for you that you find yourself repeating now because you learned them at those like very formative years? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, first one off the back is accountability. Ooh. Uh, that was a huge lesson to learn. Um, I admired a lot of the supervisors that I had because we were a young group. I'm just thinking about my experience working at Rainer Beach as a lifeguard. I'm now 16 years old and all of us are young <laughs> and we're entrusted to watch over people's lives, which is crazy some 16 year olds right maybe a couple of 17 18 year olds and then the fact of the matter is even though we can be goofy you know in the office you know shoot the shit at our age but then once we get onto that pool deck we had to snap back into complete professionalism 
act older than we were, maintain the safety of our community that we're looking out for. And, you know, if we weren't going to hold each other accountable, we had to hold ourselves. And we worked really well as a team. So accountability was the first thing. And then um, the second thing I would have to say, you have to lead by example, which was, um, it was a hit or miss. It wasn't something that was taught. It was something watched and observed, which I've noticed from working in my first job as retail, which I found out very quickly, retail is not for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it would be, I would watch my supervisor tell us the do's and don'ts of, you know, working retail and how we can do better in this area. But then I would sit back and watch them not do what they preach, which was kind of a little oxymoron to me at the end of the day. But what I felt like at the end of the day, again, accountability, I had to be accountable for myself and how I held myself in society. So leading by example was another thing. Um, even when I got into the position of being a director at 22, that's what I did. So when I knew my staff was sh short staffed it, I would get in the pool with them and help cover swim lessons. If one of my employees couldn't get coverage, I would take over one of their shifts just to help out because I wanted them to know that you're not in this alone. So what I require out of you, I require it in myself and I'm going to show you. So hmm. those are my two major lessons. I think there's also something like, again, in that leading by example, you were talking about not really seeing representation in the community that you were working in, right? You're like, where are all the brown people in this space? And how has that helped you, that sort of like leading by example and, and again, the mentorship thing? How has that helped you for carving out spaces and bringing people in and making this accessible? Again, looking at accessibility as more than just about physical ability. Oh, wow. Um, so it gives me actually some inspiration when I look at a lot of my younger swimmers that I've worked with in the past, swimmers I'm currently working with and volunteers that I'm helping, I'm, I feel like I'm giving them, um, for lack of better words, I'm giving them some fresh air to breathe from. Mm. Um, Back to the breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some, some fresh air to breathe from just for the simple fact that a lot of us know that it's this art, the sport that we're in is mainly white dominated, but it's always nice to know that you can have someone that looks like you to the left of you or to the right of you, or can share a similar experience or similar um, jargon and jokes and uh, cultural colloquialisms and stuff like that. I don't realize how much of impact because I'm still learning that every single day, just to be honest, but I know it's there in some fashion or form. I'm just thinking of an experience this summer where we had a lot of female swim instructors this year, which I'm super amped for. And we were all truly reflective of the community that we were serving. So we were working with children from East and West Africa. We had a couple of kids from the Middle East and Eastern Russia. And with those kids, our swim instructors look similar to them, which was like, yay, the first component. Um, the second component I would say that I'm working on is making sure that we get the male gender also reflected too and, and non-binary forms reflected too in that community as well because I want everything to be a reflection of what we're serving mm -hmm. so I can't I don't think I can answer the question fully but I'm just still learning every day like how much of an impact that's being but right now I'm just I can take it from like when we can tell jokes at <laughs> you know our little trainings and no one's offended or feel like they have to walk on eggshells if that's really appropriate to say because they have someone that looks like them. Mm -hmm. It's something I find really interesting to explore and reflect on on a like a personal level of like 
how does it feel to feel fully embodied and be able to show up completely as yourself in a space? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that comes back to what you were talking about, you know, like changing the time for the walking meetups, right? Like meeting people where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some examples of, of ways that either someone's met you where you were at and that helped you to participate or that, you know, you've done that for someone else, like besides the walking group, like, obviously that's a good example <laughs> that, yeah, like navigating how we meet people where they're at so that, so that we're really seeing them so that they can, they feel like they can show up fully. The example that comes to mind where someone met me where I was at when I first got my first director position. Um, again, I'm just coming off no like college background other than vocational school, but I had two amazing directors that believed in me at the Metro Atlanta Association for the YMCA where they gave me the job. I didn't have the, I didn't look that great on, on my resume other than, you know, I can coach an amazing swim team. The parents love me, the kids love me, and I had a following there, but I didn't have any of the other requirements needed for the job, like budgeting and did I already have my trainer certifications in lifeguarding and swim instructoring or leading a huge mass of being a department head pretty much. So that position alone pretty much was like, hey, we believe in these essentials that we see that you have, but we can teach you the rest Mm. and get you where you need to be. So that that position right there is my best example of them meeting me where I was at. Something where we're meeting our our community where they're at is our social fit boot camp. Oh, that one is a beautiful blessing. So my thing is I, I love the walking. Don't get me wrong, I love the walking, but I'm a little intense person. I have a lot of energy. That's why I swim. Um, <laughs> <invite me> <laughs> And so when I had first talked about the, this boot camp that we were going to do, and a lot of the the members coming out were like, oh, I don't know about this, Tiana. I don't know. I don't know. They were apprehensive. But I was telling them, I was like, so won't you just come and first try it and then let me know how you feel? I said, because I'm not going to break you at the end of the day. I'm going to push you, but I'm not going to break you. And during the boot camp, I wanted them to understand that, one, you can laugh and you can talk shit back to me. You can talk shit to your teammates. You can stick out your tongue. You can smile. You can hoop. You can holler. You can have fun during a boot camp. So I'm trying to reprogram the mind of that. And then once they got there, if there were exercises they weren't currently capable of doing, I provide them modifications where they didn't feel like, oh, I'm not like my neighbor beside me and I have to be like the teacher or I have to be like the other student. So the whole comparison component was taken out. And so once they saw those two things playing, they got more comfortable with it. And then they just showed up regardless if it meant like, hey, I'm about to show you how to do push-ups, but here's some modifications to get to doing push-ups without being on your knees. Mm. But we're going to get you there. And it doesn't matter. So fun, tough question. Okay. Okay. Lots of great positive stuff in all of this, but not everybody we meet is all about helping us out. And Mm -hmm. we're often navigating spaces where there is like heavy gatekeeping and heavy gatekeeping based on what patriarchy says counts or (laughs) what capitalism says counts or what white supremacy says counts. So how have you dealt with gatekeeping in your life and what are things that you've learned to sort of like subvert and get into spaces where people would be excluding you or like, I mean, the fact that you've like created your own thing. Cause you've just been like, 
it's not there. I'll just make my own thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is great and a great workaround. Um, but yeah, just sort of things that you've learned that have helped you sustain yourself in a culture and a society that throws up a lot of barriers. You know, being a black woman, you got to always have tough skin. So I let stuff roll, even if I if I know it's happening or if I don't know it's happening. And sometimes I go, was that supposed to be a dig? Because I didn't take it that way. So I'm I'm still navigating. I, I don't have a clear answer for that. I'm still navigating these spots because one thing that I believe is if it flows, it flows. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And I'm not going to force it. And I don't feel like I should have to sell you on a concept or belief. Either you're going to believe it or you're not. And if you are not going to believe it, that's good. We might meet at a different time in our, our lives, to be honest, or never again. And I'm totally fine with that. But I do want to put myself in spaces that are opening to open to hear the conversation and are willing to move forward in the progress. So I haven't really had to deal with it too much. Um, some things I have dealt with is the balance of being in the fitness industry as my brand is growing and organiz organization is growing, the whole balance of this whole Instagram model thing where you're kind of half naked online <laughs> to get more engagement and views and participation versus me not wanting to have to show off my body, just knowing that I am fit and I'm working out. Um, that has been a constant struggle for the past two years, just kind of where do I draw the line with that? And again, I just have tried to accept the fact that it's just, if it flows, it flows and it works for me to not have to be half naked or showing my booty, like my booty gangs or you know my ab <laughs> gangs. I'm just, just being honest. It's, kind of nuts to me um, but <laughs> I totally agree with you I, I find the whole uh having to turn like it's weird how social media orients us to turn ourselves into a brand it's like really messed up I don't know I, I've started to see it more and more in myself and being able to step back and be like oh right like I've just fallen into the trap of capitalism that says like mm. as a human being I have to market myself 100% like all the time and I'm like mm. you know I don't have to share everything Mm, absolutely absolutely and then I'm just going to say one little comment on that and mm -hmm. you'll do with it whatever you choose to but I just don't quite understand this whole concept of having to share your work online or it didn't happen like if it's not online you don't have any proof that it happened yeah and I'm just kind of like no what about those days when we didn't have social media? Like it happened. I just don't have any documentation of it. So that's been a very interesting avenue to navigate to as well. Like how much do I share online of certain programs that I'm offering and how much I don't? I actually had a participant recently saying that she didn't want to be on social media and we we're doing kind of like live footage of the class to showcase like one of our workouts that we were doing. And I was just like, you know what? you have every right not to want to be on social media. And that's totally fine. I'm with that. It's awesome. I think it also helps to free up our time in mm. a really different way. Like there's the, that sense of what you're just talking about, like, oh, it didn't happen if I don't share it. And it's like, yeah, but the sharing, it can take up so much time that you could have used to do yet another thing. Yes. And then also the sharing, it usually comes with a big hangover because most of what you post is never going to go viral. <laughs> <laughs> like it's relying on a lot of 
fickle luck based on what the internet, what the people of the internet are feeling and thinking at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd love to hear like, what are your thoughts then about that, that idea of like working locally and connecting with people and connecting with people genuinely outside of the internet? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, I'm a big, big believer of supporting small businesses and local businesses. That's hands down been one of my values. And so it just became natural to want to work with organizations that were currently are doing some of the similar work that I am doing, or they have some other product that's local that could help benefit each of our companies. So um, one of the main things I've been really focusing on when it comes to doing collaborative programs, like for example, we're currently in the middle of our winter program, which is called Mix Fit. And it's a way to showcase a variety of different fitness classes that are offered in the south end of Seattle. And a lot of these instructors have very similar price structures, which is either free or very feasible within under $10 to take a class. And the amount of support that I've gotten from the fitness organizations, also from the city of Seattle, Seattle Parks and Rec, and also from the fitness instructors has been amazing to the point where it's just like, dang, I want to keep this program going and have this other program going and this one and that one. So like the expansion is getting there. But again, I believe that we should be able to feed our own ecosystem without having to go somewhere else or to a larger company um, at the end of the day. Yeah, the whole collaboration and cross pollination thing is really interesting to me because I feel like, again, it's it's really like an act of resistance to collaborate locally because there's such a sense again that we're competing and we're trying to get the most likes or the most whatever uh and I from experience know exactly what that's like where you like you start something out and then you're trying to connect and people are almost suspicious of that Mm. (laughs) Mm. okay okay what are your like how do you kind of I don't know get people to sort of drop their armor and get or is it just that you like you said you're going with the flow and you you're only really connecting with people who do want to connect I'm going with the flow which is true um the other part is my class participants will recommend someone for me to go and support Mm -hmm. so I'll actually go out to their classes and support them don't ask for any form of discounts or tell them anything about me just to go out and just check out their energy what they're bringing into the community and maybe after you know the third or fourth class then I'll approach them about what I'm currently doing and connect them and just invite them to come check out my programming if they want to be even a part of it the other thing that I've noticed is just doing a couple of cold calls with businesses and facilities that are in alignment with my mission. So those three concepts I take with me, but the main thing has been the flow and the referral from my um, participants to check out other classes too as well. And then I'd like to look on, you know, Facebook does like, you might be interested in this. So I just try to check out what's going on in the city and see where I can be of support, even if that means we make a connection or not. Yeah. Right at the very beginning, you talked about how you just you know, you were three and you're like, I'm going to go swimming. (laughs) You clearly just jump right into projects. Yeah. (laughs) And that's how you roll. And I realized that for some of us, that is our orientation. (laughs) (laughs) And when that is your orientation, it's really easy to overextend. Mm -hmm. So what have you learned about self-care and creating space? Oh, this this is an ongoing um, project for me. 
Okay. So uh, the last two years have been kind of a blur just because I've been like working seven days a week. But again, like my passion drives me. Um, One of the things that I do, I make sure that I either have a massage schedule every week or I'm making sure that I'm blocking out at least two and a half hours of my for myself every day for doing some form of fitness or self-care. And my self-care and fitness is like clumped together as one. Yeah. Um, just because <laughs> when <laughs> uh, when I get to the pool, to me, that is that's home. That's my second home. That's where I feel the most freest at. And I mean, if you ever caught me swimming one day, you're like, look at this cat swimming around like a little mermaid underwater. I wonder if she's ever going to come up for a while. Um, that is totally me in the pool. So self-care is built in. And then the balance of taking breaks from work has been a constant struggle. And like right now, I've actually gotten to a a point where I have actually one day off where I'm not doing any form of work. And I have no emails, no like catching up, nothing of that nature. I just really think everything is just an ongoing balance of what's going to work for your practice. Because like what I'm doing now for the next three months might not work once I get to summer. But the main part is if I make sure I can put away 2.5 hours a week or sorry, a day for myself and or schedule a massage every week, I'm on the right track. So to finish off, I always invite my guests to offer anything that they'd like to anything they'd like to offer at all to listeners who are either doing a similar kind of work or who might be coming from a similar place and just starting to embark on this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So think of this as an open space to say anything that you would like to, um, any offerings you want to leave for folks to consider or for support. Okay. So the first thing that comes to mind is you have to start where you start and then you'll build from there. A lot of times we get caught up in the idea of everything having to look a certain way and we hold ourselves to standards. And I'm speaking this because I have told myself this regularly too. We want to look like these uh, corporations when it comes to our visibility, but it could just simply start with an idea, plant it, work on it, keep trimming, connecting yourself, telling people about it, and everything else is going to flow to it. I promise and I promise you it will. Um, It's an amazing thing if you just start and just do it. Um, Another thing is I like to offer is everything will be okay. Even (laughs) like I know it sounds so hippie and I know it sounds so positive, but at the end of the day, everything will be okay. Tell yourself that all the time, even if you don't believe it. Just keep telling yourself that because at the end of the day, everything will be okay. That mood, that emotion will pass. You know, that circumstance that you're in will pass. I have to consistently tell myself these things because as a business owner, you get into these ruts like, oh my God, I have this projected goal for the first quarter and you're nowhere near it. And that's okay. That's okay. Because the second month or the third quarter is going to look amazing. Okay. Or it might not. And that's okay. Okay. <laughs> So those are the words I like to offer. That's great. Um, And also, just like quick add-on at the end, you talked about a lot of different things that you're doing right now, Mm -hmm. a lot of different things that are going on. Where can folks go and find out more if they want to know more? Yes. 
So um, the Duncan Connection, we have both a Facebook and an Instagram page where I keep updated regularly with what's going on in events. Also include nutrition tips, class information, not just what we're hosting, but what's also being offered around South Seattle and in um, Tacoma and the North End too as well. So I start adding that into our playlist. And then also you can check us out on Cascadia's Now website. That's our fiscal sponsor who takes care of all the legalities. Thank you so much for that blessing so I can focus on the work that we're doing in the community. Yay for sponsorships. Yeah. (laughs) That is awesome. Um, Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. To learn more about Tiana Duncan and her work in the world, visit cascadianow.org forward slash the dash Duncan dash connection forward slash. You can also find the Duncan Connection on Facebook and Instagram. Visit CaitlinSCHatch.com to find out more about everything that I do in the world, to read my blog, buy a book, and check out my art gallery. You can also become a patron or leave a tip to help support my work and practice. I'm incredibly grateful to my many patrons, without whom I could not make this the focus of my life. Immense appreciation goes to Gretchen Wagner, Julian and Shannon Hatch, Minita Budgen, Margaret Prescott, Val Delane, Harry Pugh, Annika, Jennifer Harkness, Katie Bredbeck, Laura Malkern, Michelle Puckett, and Sierra Love. The original theme song for this podcast was created by award-winning singer-songwriter Tajai Moore of More Music. 